Hello and welcome to So Far Stargate. Stargate. Uh, oh, Star Studded Stargate. Oh, Stancast? Oh, that sort of works. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay, and this is the story. So, so Stargate. Starcast. Starcast probably quite... works best. Yeah, but that, it sounds so. I mean, that. Fargate. Oh, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Wow, it has just occurred to me that there is almost definitely, there is definitely, definitely Stargate, Farscape, fanfic, because we're doing the episode that I sort of hinted at last time. I hope you got what it was, listeners at home, when I said it was that one episode of the other show that that they are also in. Yes. So, do tell. I mean, it's clearly a Stargate pastiche, but... No, uh, opposite. You tell me what you think you just saw. Okay, this okay to me. This felt like well, yeah, someone a post-production Stargate thing. Uh huh. So like someone went in and tried to throw a lot of weird things together for Stargate. Basically, you know, one of those weird shows that you occasionally see about Star Trek, where they do it for a convention or something, which where they right. where they kind of act out yeah. an episode or something, which is like. Clearly meant to take the Mickey out of themselves. Now, Mad, this is actual season ten, episode six, titled two hundred. It's the two hundredth episode oh. of Stargate SG One. Okay, wow. Which happens to have Ben Browder and Claudia Black in it, right? Because, well, it was uh, it was that time after season eight. One of the leads, Richard Dean Anderson, you know him as MacGyver, yeah, had left Colonel the cast of yeah. oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, had left the cast of uh, Stargate SG One, and so they just replaced him. With uh, a brand new charismatic character. Uh, played by Brent Browder. Yep, yep. And, uh, well, Claudia Black had played a character that showed up a few times beforehand, Vala Maldoran. Oh, yes, actually, I've got a little present for you. Oh? Well, I know how you are with names. So I've printed okay. out the cast oh, thank sheet. You. Oh, that's fantastic, yes. With all the character names. So, you know, actors are right. a little trickier, but at least we have all the character names Oh, that's for very you. useful, yes. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, yes. I mean, I've, I've, okay, so full disclosure here, my exposure to Stargate has been, I have seen an episode or two of the original running. I've seen, I've watched... And the original uh, film, of course. And the film, yeah, I've seen the original film. Uh, Ra, I've watched beautiful, beautiful Ra. Stargate Universe with you. Yes. And I've seen a few of the first episodes of Atlantis. Ah, also very good. I think that was actually running while this was this episode aired. Right, they were they had two shows running at the same time at, at yeah. a certain point, weren't they? That was like pretty good. You don't even Star Trek has ever done that until recently years. Yeah, and now it's there's a, a lot. Twist, I think there's yeah. Buffy and Angel. Anyway, anyway, yes, yeah. Around the time that uh, Richard Dean Anderson departed from the series, well, Ben Browder was free and yeah. had a lot of fans. So yeah, bring him on. So that's when I got into Stargate. Ah, okay. Which I'd never really, I was going to say clicked into, but since it's Stargate, I should say dialed into ah. SG-1 quite so much. It was a bit militaristic from, right. from my tastes. And, um, it's kind of like A-team on, in space, but, you know, with existential dread, or maybe not even a lot of that. Jeopardy and ticking clocks and the apparently full cooperation of the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, so yes, this episode, it really felt like it was a 
a pastiche. A sort of f- f- fan production or right. a Right. Well, like I said, a, a post-production <laughs> a throw together where we just got a few people. Uh, so I was I didn't actually know that Claudia Black had been playing a recurring character. Because there's, there's a comment in fairly early on where she's like, oh, yeah, we'll just replace him with a different actor and nobody will notice. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I th- So I was wondering if that was a reference to Ben Browder replacing uh, O'Neill. Uh, what's, what's, Very good. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, check your cheat sheet. Right, yes. Uh, actually, he's not on there, is he? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah Richard I, Dean Anderson. Yes, of course. Oh, sorry, he's, like he still is, is he MacGyver era photo <laughs> yes, of him. I, I got that off of IMDb. Where That's he still his has a mullet. There. Yes. Yes. Bless him. Ah, okay. So, and this also ends Martin Martin Lloyd. I, he has a very familiar face. I'm not quite sure where I know him from, but it does answer one of my questions. Yes. So his character's name is Martin Lloyd. Uh huh. And like, like, whenever he answers the phone, he says something like "Go for Marty" or "Go for Marty." Go for Marty. You got Marty. Yeah, go for Marty. Martin, uh, Marty. Right, no, I get that, yeah. but I wasn't sure what he was saying. Like, go for Marty? It's like, it sounded like a weird thing, so I wasn't sure if that was his name or... Or whether he was called go for Martin. I mean, he might have just like... Go like, a nice I'm name. Go for, like, you know, yeah. go for is also a position, you know. Oh, yes, go for this, go for that. Yeah, but he was the, the writer. So, okay, so the concept of the show is they bring a studio guy in yep. to basically... Create plausible deniability. We're going to create a. See, they have created the science fiction show. Apparently, there has been already three seasons of this science fiction show, which <laughs> yeah. more or less mirrors the events that happened in Stargate. Yes, exactly. Okay. And this is the guy who has been producing that show, and he's now the show's been cancelled, and they're doing a. T- straight to TV movie, I believe, or straight to network movie. Yes, as as Tilk observes, it allegedly performed well on DVD, yeah. based on the strength of the DVD sales. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he is so aware. Actually, it's in this. It's all the aliens who are like super aware of media here. It's it's mm. it's Tilk Vala. Actually, for people who aren't familiar with Stargate, I'm just realizing maybe it's a it's, it's a good idea. Hey, this is an interesting challenge. How about you translate your cheat sheet in audio form to explain to people who these characters are in your words, Kate. Okay, so we have a William Shatner-esque type gentleman on the left of this crew shot, which we have yes, here. Yes, from, uh, I think, season 10. Right, titled Major General Hank Landry, which I believe is one of the... Bridges Brothers, yes, he's Bridges Bo Bridges. Brothers? Oh, I have no idea who Bo Bridges Oh, what Bridges were you going to say then? I was going to say, I was going to say he's like one of the people who was in charge of the operation. Ah, uh, yes. He, he kind of charged the, uh, yeah, he was the project general. manager of, the, yeah. I mean, Major general. general yeah. I mean, uh, Major General O'Neill was also a general, so yep. they even go at like general, general, general. <laughs> at a certain point. Okay, <laughs> doctor, doctor. so like I said, he, he's a bit William Shatner-esque in this photo. Yeah, uh, I would say. look. Okay, uh, left of him we have, uh, sorry, right of him, we have Caprica Six, uh, played by Samantha <laughs> Carter. Or no, that's the name. <laughs> that's Amanda Tapping. <laughs> okay, well, I know. But get the same energy. Like. <laughs> How is that the same energy? Blonde. Cap- well, it's, that's it's, it's, it. it's a little bit more Starbucky. I was you're right. Say. Yeah, no, you're right. It's more Starbucky than <laughs> Caprica Six. But. Okay. BSG um, reference for the homies. Right. Next, we have the, the language geek, uh, Daniel Jackson, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Glasses, who is like, Brilliantly, he hasn't got a lot of as much hair as his puppet does, but no. <laughs> that was a fantastic that. scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have Vala Maldoran or Doran. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Played by Claudia Black, with who is wearing 
pigtails. Lovely pigtails. Yeah, yeah. It's. I don't think it's a look that suits her very well, but it's a, it's a bit girlish. But you know, if she's yeah. into that. No, true. Cameron Cam Mitchell, played by Ben Browder, who is like, yeah, cool young hotshot. Yeah. And that's how he portrays himself. Tilk. I'm not sure yes, how it's pronounced. Correct. It is pronounced just Tilk. I mean, yep. technically, there should be a glottal stop in case of the apostrophe, I suppose. I don't think you can easily do Til- a glottal stop no, between, between two, two consonants. consonants. No, it's not. It's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, a Willie Garson, played by Martin... Oh, no, the other way around. Uh, Martin Lloyd, played by Willie Garson. <laughs> Every I'm, time I'm, that someone makes that mistake, I keep thinking of my boyfriend for the longest time. Bless him. I love him very, very much. Thought that Spinal Tap... Mm. From the mockumentary This Is Spinal Tap, the fictional band. Was actual for real? Was real. And that, oh, uh, uh, Paul Shearer or whatever his name is, was Davidson Dubbins' stage name. Oh. Oh, the other way around. And, oh, I for years and years I didn't correct him because I thought it was just so beautiful. <laughs> and he kept going, we kept going to, like, music stores and he'd always check if there was a new Spinal, Spinal Tap, Tap album. I'm like, oh, nah, not this year, honey. Maybe, maybe next year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, keep an eye on Maybe they'll go on tour. That'd be nice, yeah. Oh, wow, that's amazing. I mean, it is very well done. Yes. So that's my cheat sheet. Very good. And Uh, yes, of course, uh, 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 Richard Dean Anderson in his uh, MacGyver years, McMullet years, I should say. (laughs) Although it's not so bad in this photo. Apparently over the run of SG-1, there were sort of occasional MacGyver jokes, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, which I can't, can't now remember, so... Moving on from right. there. I'm sorry, there's ten seasons and I didn't see very many of them. Go! Chevron 7, encoded. Yes, which is almost good because this, it sh- opens with a shot of a ship flying off in the distance. And yeah. then our uh, producer guy, followed by a quick throw together, which is from the series, apparently, that we're seeing. Previously, on Stargate SG-1. I'm not just interested in outer space. I'm from the outer space. Four excellent heroes in an extraordinary new sci-fi series, starring Nick Marlowe as the Rye, Colonel Danning. As a matter of fact, it does say Colonel on my uniform. Wormhole Extreme. It's what I do. Yeah, so apparently there had been an episode with uh, Martin Lloyd and the series Wormhole Extreme before, I think Mm -hmm. season five. So that was the previously on that we're seeing here, which is where he pitched it the first time. Right. And then we see a scene... You know, I'm just now realizing that there's probably a lot of gags in here that... I would have completely gone over my head, yes. Yeah, so what we see here are the furlings. We are the furlings. We thought we'd never get to meet you. Which are essentially sort of Ewoks, Ewoks. with koala faces. Yeah, I kind of got that, yeah. Which it, is how it, the design came together. It is a straight rip-off from the... I mean, even the, the tree village and everything. The only difference is that these guys are yeah. technologically advanced and they have, like, tree-rimmed computer screens mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Which is what uh, I think Brad Wright said when the pre-production sketches came in, is that... Dude, we're going to get sued. Yeah. These are Ewoks. No. Okay, well, what do you want then? I don't know, dude, like change the head or something. And then the production designer just very quickly photoshopped a koala head onto the Ewok that he designed. Yes, that. Okay, we'll do that. Because the furlings have apparently been mentioned like since deep into season one and have never been seen on screen. It was just a throwaway thing. But oh, okay. The writers kept getting asked about the furlings 
every public appearance for a decade. What, what, when are we going to see the furlings? Right, okay. So and now you see him in a previously on. Right, okay, so that's what I was wondering about, because this kind of felt like it was a pastiche show, like I said. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets a little bit confusing, because you see the opening shots where the it, it wormhole extreme, which has different actors, which we, I think, also see again at the end of the yes. episode. But then we see this shot with the uh, the furlings, with the actual actors. Yep. Of the so the the, the not actors in the show. This is gonna get the characters. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like okay. So I picked this to follow up on unrealized realities. Yeah. Because this is kind of the same vibe. There's so many like layers of identity and how do you talk about these people and what is real. Mm. I thought I could make it work. The thermodynamic loop is feeding back into the planet's core. Cut that uh, big space explosion. Uh, and yeah, where they abandon the, the furlings. Yeah, like, yeah. And sorry, and just zap out. So is there like <laughs> transporter technology? Is that a thing in Stargate? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, originally it used those rings, but uh, yeah. uh, Earth what? has developed its own space program. Oh, right, yeah. The, the, the rings that suddenly come out of nowhere and uh-huh. come, come up and down, with, as we see later in the episode when... Uh, we have the invisibility scenes. And, okay. they've, and they've encountered other aliens, like integrated those technologies as well. Yeah, fair enough. So cut to a writing room scene, basically, where the characters from Stargate 1 are reading through the script that has been produced for the new TV, straight-to-TV movie, or straight-to-cable movie. Well, that never happened. Well, you got to open big, catch people's attention, make them think the whole thing is going to be jam-packed. I love jam. Oh, I get it. It's yet another playful twist on words in your Earth language. Daniel Jackson is super not into it. He's actively hostile. I don't care. Sam Carter is just nonplussed. It makes us look stupid. Teal'c, I think, is quietly into it. Yes. Indeed. Um, And Mitchell is trying to, like... Is overtly into it. Come on, it'll be fun. You know, you say that about everything. Come to think about, why am I doing this? To make sure that the Air Force is being properly represented and because General O'Neill has requested you specifically. Of course he did. Jackson, how often do we get to give notes on a big Hollywood feature script? Yes, he's just like trying to make himself better. No, no, this is not based upon you. This is based upon uh, Colonel (laughs) (laughs) O'Neill. I apologize if any coughing makes it through the editing process, but... um, I've got it a little bit on the lens. I'll I'll try to avoid it. Well, also apologies if any of the construction sounds that we seem to I'm be. Not, I'm in. getting new neighbors and they're moving in on today apparently. So, hooray! So this makes no sense. This is a really weird episode, as is what they're saying. I don't know. I've been watching a lot of television lately, and apart from one glaring omission, it doesn't seem to be that bad. And uh, Vala, who is also there, is also kind of into it, but she m- seems extremely bubbly. Was her character like that? Yep. Okay, that's fair enough. Because that's what again one of the reasons why I thought it was like playing against a, a, a joke. Yeah, that they were just like, yeah, that they were just playing with it. Uh, I love, I love that. I'm so glad that I didn't just jump in and tell you what this was. Right, you got no, to experience this as a. I, I genuinely did not would not have called this as a an actual Stargate episode. I really thought it was a post production joke so, pastiche uh, type thing. The producers had talked about, okay, what are we going to do for episode 200? Well, right. What if we just make it a just make it a regular episode and instead we'll do a party for the cast and crew? Okay, then who's going to write it? And then there became sort of a, 
I don't know. They say that it was difficult to find out who was going to write it. I imagine that there was sort of infighting or maybe a little bit of, I don't know, peacocking about who would get that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, so the decision was made. Everybody gets a hand on the ball. The entire writer's room, they all contributed some of these sketches from, you know, wild and stupid ideas they thrown around the writer's room. Right. And so uh, I think it was Joseph Malozzi. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. Um, he later became showrunner for Dark Matter. Also in a Canadian television series. He wrote the uh, Farscape section because he had seen every episode. And he was the only one in the entire production crew who had seen all of Farscape. Oh, in in the production crew, yes. Uh, Yeah, well, no, there were two people who had seen, yes. There were like some consultants on hand. (laughs) Weirdly, Martin Woods, who directed the episode, borrowed Joe Malozzi's DVDs to sort of get a feel for what Farscape's like. Well, there was only it was only like one very short scene, and it was just basically a sum up. Of- it was amazing how like this episode fit in the production schedule. It was it took about as long to film as any episode of SG One, yeah. but it was stupendously more expensive. Okay. Uh, those puppets, because they, yeah, they had a lot. Of, of course, they had to do a lot of a lot of unique makeups. Yeah, the puppets were I think twenty five grand a piece. Oh, gee, that's quite a lot of money, yeah. Had all these locations and sets that they went to, and it was okay, because like, it was glued together with, with scenes mostly in the writer's room, essentially. Yeah. I uh, like that Vala is confused, like, hey... I've been looking through this, and there doesn't seem to be any mention of a sexy female alien anywhere. I'm not even in this. Right. Oh, weird. Okay, and that, another another thing. That's what why I was thinking. Like, I, what I have written down is lead character. Like, repl- she makes a comment about the lead character just being replaced. Oh, that's Ben, actually. Or, I know, uh, but Cam. it's like it. And the way it was played, I thought like they just did a actor replacement, and she was the actor replacement. There's no. Oh, like they had a regular character, and they just had her played by. Yeah, yeah. just like just change the actor <laughs> and like hope nobody will notice. I mean, we've seen that happen in various. Uh, yeah, they used to do that. Actually, they still do sometimes. Didn't they do that in Sliders? I think so. They did it in Aloha Low, but then they, at least they explained it with uh, plastic surgery when uh, Herr Otto Flick was replaced by, an act- oh, by a different yeah. actor. Uh, oh, and I think on, like, 80s sitcoms... Uh, occasionally, occasionally just, like, someone who vaguely looks similar... Yeah, and then they'd sort of come on screen, and then there'd be, a like, a text or a voiceover saying, the role of... Mm. Jimiminy Crickets will now be played by... And, yeah, especially that combined with her bubbly acting, uh, Claudia Black's bubbly acting, really made me think that this is an in-joke here about someone being replaced. It's so wild, because there are in-jokes, but they're everything else. Like, all those other lines, so many of them have have tremendous recognisability to either the writers or the the fans of the show. I mean, because they're dealing with a movie that's going to be made of this series, which ultimately the movie gets cancelled because the series gets renewed, which happened to Stargate SG-1 like five times. Yeah. So there's a lot of bickering about the script, how this is not right and that's not correct, and this like makes me look bad. This is not about you. This is about O'Neill. That we get that a few times. <laughs> but it's Cam Ben Browder's character who has like active suggestions. He's he's really into it. He's so on board. Yes, he says, you've got to have a big brash opening title. And immediately Marty goes, no, that's stupid. Nobody does that anymore. anymore. Yeah, we like we go start in media res. That- you just show the title and get on with it. <laughs> (laughs) 
Stargate SG-1, and it's done. Five and seconds. Yes, of course, that doesn't hold him back, because he then starts describing a scene, which is basically a zombie movie, like this. It's really over-the-top acting, uh, with him, like, shooting guns, cross-shooting cross guns. <laughs> yes. He's holding, he's, he's, what are they? Like, Uzis? Oh, no, um, they're MP5s. No, no, yeah. they're not MP5s. They're, Aren't they're they, too though? big. No, they're mini Uzis, I think. Well, uh, they'd be, hold on, they'd be US Air Force, wouldn't they? Yeah, so probably not Uzis. But no, exactly. MP- yeah. He's got one in each hand, and he shoots them side to side, and then he dramatically sort of crosses, crosses them and starts Why? shooting more people, yeah. Who's the one who is, like, get caught in a door, is that? It's not a character whose name I know, oh, but okay. he's, uh, he's the bespectacled gentleman who's up in the control room right. who makes the thing spin. Spin? Sir, it doesn't spin. But spinning is so much cooler than not spinning. I'm the general. I want it to spin. Now. Yes, sir. We call it spinning. We see him later towards the end of the episode as well when he gets invited to come along. (laughs) And sort of like Batman and Robin changes costume while running down the stairs. That's a fantastic scene, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> which is which is a reference to the many times where that actually sort of happened in, in SD1, where mm. they sort of give the suggestion, all right, pens down, everybody, we've got to go. And then they continue their conversation, and suddenly they're in full gear. Okay, okay. So this is a terrible idea, and everybody asks him, hey, what's the rest of the crew doing while you're saving the day yeah, from the zombies? So, yeah, it's a little bit of quietness there, and nobody... Uh... I noticed that they deliberately used a lot of bad CGI in, in a lot of those scenes. There's also some good CGI that you probably didn't notice, which I'll tell you about later oh, on. Oh, okay. I'm looking forward to seeing it. But like I said, specifically uh-huh. got it written down as like Ben Browder massively over overacting and bad CGI. Son of a bitch. Studio executives, huh? What? Oh, no, Charlie, he's a great guy. He's the only one I trust. So what's the problem then? Our lead backed out. How am I supposed to tell a story without my lead character? Easy, just bring in a character to replace him. Now, this is a reference to Richard Dean Anderson having uh, yes. left the series and it not being sure whether he'd be available because maybe he'd retired from acting. I'm not entirely yeah. sure. So uh, Several ideas get thrown around how to like deal with this suddenly main actor disappearing. So what if he's invisible? And then we can sort of have him there, but... And we get a lengthy scene about, like, yeah, basically O'Neill being invisible. And then, like, remember that one time when (laughs) this happened? (laughs) And he he loves it. He's pranking everyone by making a dog drive a car. The dog seems, like... Chill about it. Yeah, yeah. like, apparently this is what we're doing now, or pretending to be a chair and and snoring somewhere. He's also being a little bit of a creep. Yeah, yeah, a shower where Samantha Carter goes, Sir, are you there? Nope. And then there's a scene where he, while invisible, has a conversation with Teal'c yep. while a coffee cup is uh, floating around. around. Yep. And so the writer sort of asked the director, okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna do that? It's gonna be on it's gonna be CGI, nah, that'll look too cheap. You can never match it to the yeah. uh, the lighting. Do we have it on strings? Well, again, also sort of fake. We'll just have a guy in a green Zentai suit holding it and oh. we'll paint out the guy. That works. 
And then when production actually started, Richard Dean Anderson was available. And they were shooting this scene during the day that he was... Available. And he didn't have anything to do while this... So they put him in the green Zentai suit. <laughs> this is actually Richard Dean Anderson returned to the series and he was painted out of the frame. <laughs> it uh, kind of reminds me of this that scene in uh, 2001 uh, where, they had, like, uh, where they're doing the simulated uh, uh, zero gravity thing. And you've got the, when they're on the, uh, on the shuttle going to the space station uh-huh. and there's this uh, flight attendant walking around the cabin, which using her uh, Velcro stick soles and oh, she's wow. moving around. And there's this pen floating around uh, and she, she eventually grabs the pen. But that scene was done by basically gluing the pen to a pane of glass oh, and then moving yes. that in front of the camera and like, like it was floating around in zero G. Oh, Brilliant. <laughs> There's like, here's the rings we were talking about, which the rings which just like appear from the top of the screen. We don't see how they come into existence nope. or anything. And nope. uh, now we are teleporting. So not having a solution to this problem. Oh, they get rescued. Hooray. And we can just move on with our lives. Everybody goes downstairs, magically transforms into their uh, traveling clothes. And Cam is very excited because this is going to be his 200th time through the... Right. And the, okay, so now I understand that constant reference to the 200 because it was the 200th episode. Yeah, this is going to be huge. The big 200. Yes. Okay, that makes sense now. And like, and everybody likes to point out that this is not his two hundredth mission. No, it's just the twelfth time that he has stepped through a gate. Which so includes it's probably his, like mid-mission multi. Right. So it's probably gates. his somewhere between his fortieth or fiftieth mission. Yeah. Because like, yeah, you divide that by half, and like most missions, you go through a gate more than yeah. So it's like probably yeah. somewhere between mission forty and fifty. And also that one time that he was just stepping through, and someone called his name, and he stepped back, which yeah. in his mind counts. counts yeah, because he was counting them. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't work. No, just, the gate shuts down. Problem. Just doesn't work. Fix it. Quickly. I'm on it. Indeed. So they have to go back in the room. How come this has like, been working for years and why does it suddenly not work? And No idea. No, no. Just, I guess it just doesn't. Well, oh, uh, later on, uh, uh, Samantha Carter has uh, a fantastic bit of techno babble, which Marty goes, whoa, that's amazing. Say that again. Power's getting through to the capacitors, but for some reason the charge isn't holding. That's causing the control crystal to send feedback into the interface and reset the programming code of the base computer's dialing protocol. Whoa, that was awesome. Say that again. And she says, no. Nope. No. (laughs) This is is classified. You're not putting this in the show. (laughs) Yes. Okay, also... uh, Also, flux capacitor, I heard, definitely there. The power getting to the flux capacitor, but feedback is not feeding back into the feedback face. This is gold. Yeah, that was Marty trying to write down what he remembered. He heard capacitor. Marty, he he is apparently himself an alien, doing his best. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. There's a discussion between uh, Claudia Black's character, uh, Vala, Vala, and uh, Marty, like... When she's like, oh, there's no alien here. And like, oh, it, I think we actually skipped over that part where there's a whole discussion. Or is that still coming? It's still coming. Where there's she's so like, much in this episode. I mean, like she confesses that she's been watching a lot of TV. And whenever time she's like pitching an idea, it is clearly a ripoff. The first time it's The Wizard of Oz. I was in a stolen cargo ship on my way home when a solar flare from a nearby star wreaked havoc with my navigation system. And I was forced to crash land on the nearest planet. In a bizarre twist of fate, I crashed right on top of the Gold who ruled that planet, which was fortunate because my ship was too badly damaged to repair and I needed help. The local villagers were very grateful. 
They introduced me to a lovely, fair-haired Tok'ra who had been hiding out on the planet. She told me the legend of a powerful ascended being who supposedly lived in some distant, far-off mountains through a treacherous forest. Look, I don't have all day. Cut to the chase. All right. I met up with a number of my friends along the way, and after a dangerous and eventful journey, we finally come face to face with the ascended being. What can I do for you? Well, at first I thought I just wanted to go home, but now I've decided I'd quite like to be a part of something. A regular part, if you catch my drift. Oh, and uh, these guys have their own issues. Boys? And like, yeah. I mean, I caught onto it immediately in the first scene, but like, it, it gets a little bit more subtle and it gets cut off quicker as well. But we're on yeah. a three-hour rescue mission. Oh, Gilligan's that's Gilligan's Island. Island. Like, you what? got that from three-hour yeah. recon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're running across the field, being chased by these little Bad robots. Bad CGI. Bad. Oh, also, it was also like two thousand and nine. Fair. Oh. Uh, okay, I admit that's a problem when we're watching this stuff so many years uh, in the future. It becomes yeah. very hard to tell whether or not it was good CGI or for bad CGI for the time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Farscape, the CGI still holds up. All the external yeah. shots, it's a little bit. Occasionally when they're dealing with parallax and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. But it's it's all of it's highly stylized. Right. Like even so the regular yeah, interior yeah. shot. And so yeah. it's it's consistent. Take something like Battlestar Galactica, where that was also, well, sometimes quite difficult. Like, I thought that in the later seasons, the uh, Cylon Centurions didn't necessarily look as good as earlier on, because you mm. could just see them more, and in daylight, and and earlier on, they too were kept more in uh, in shadow. And um, Yeah, well, you see them in the in the pilot, when they, like, walk onto the, uh, the space station. Uh, yeah. Uh, followed by Caprica 6. Was that, was it, hang on, was that Caprica 6 or another 6? Not sure, really. I think it was Caprica 6. It seems to be, because the whole sensuous nature that she seems to have, which not a lot of the other Capricas have. Yeah. Sorry, not a lot of the other sixes have. Then uh, again, hold on. No, Caprica 6 was on mission. She was already infiltrated. She was embedded. Oh, yeah, at the time that thing happened. So it would have been another 6. She wouldn't have had the opportunity yeah. to resurrect and, and reinsert into yeah. Caprica. No, very good And point. we're accidentally doing a Battlestar Galactica podcast oh, instead no. of doing a Stargate podcast <laughs> on our Farscape podcast. Oh, no, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we only have 10 seconds to get to the gates. And we have to cross this huge valley <laughs> with 20 spaceships. Oops. Okay, this could be a problem. And no sign of the gate. And next shot is we're stepping out through the gate. Well, that was easy. That was close, huh? Sauntering through. Like, ah. Oh. And this was a reference from the writers to the uh, studio executives who literally kept sending them notes, more Jeopardy plus ticking clock equals entertainment. Okay, I guess that's like where a lot of uh, uh, Marty's uh, comments that he keeps making are probably just like, Things yeah. taken directly from the, what the studio execs have been oh, saying. Oh, yeah, about. he's the gestalt entity for <laughs> all the writers. Because, yeah, this is something that that really does typify SG-1, like setting up these stakes and a sort of time limit mm. and keeping that in your mind as you race toward the end and then, you know, you, you get a resolution. I mean, that's that kind of keeps going. I mean, like Stargate Universe has a lot of that as well, actually. Like, oh, we're running out of air, we're running out of time, the ship's going to jump, there's going to be... There's still a lot of that in there. Yes, but I think I, it feels just different. Like, okay. it feels less manufactured. Like, I feel this with Farscape as well. Because Farscape, 
I mean, it doesn't really do the, the ticking clock. No, rarely ever. Well, it's setting up stakes and then, and then oh, the portal's going to close or this is going no. to explode. Or, I mean, or, wormholes, but they come and go as the plot requires. Sure. So there's no, it's going to run out, we have to hurry. That almost never happens. It's usually, like, character-driven and, and often by, like, conflicting characters hmm. who are making yeah. their own decisions and you sort of follow these decision trees as they interact. I happen to like that a lot better. Yeah. I guess that's why Farscape is my favourite. I mean, yeah, uh, just like, yeah, fake stakes... I mean, it shows up immediately. Like, you know, like, why is this bomb ticking, you know? I mean, it's still entertaining. It's just, yeah. I think, from a different era or a different... Uh, a also, different we're getting older, so that might also have something to do with it. Yeah, we're developing better taste, you mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, well, that's a bit dicey, but, you know. <laughs> okay, I think I think we're leading into... Oh, yeah. No, it's coming later, but... Okay, we'll just do it in any order. Yes. Uh, where, Mintaka 3. Oh, very good callback. Yeah. Oh, look we at you go. We haven't done that a long time. <laughs> the Treaty of Mintaka 3, the, all the car- actors are apparently withholding their assent until they uh, uh, get some more money. And so some executive has suggested recasting everyone with younger, edgier characters. Oh, yes. <laughs> that scene. And it becomes Wormhole X Teen, I guess. Teen Extreme. Yo, dog, what you do that for? Dude, that hot chick was so totally a go Duh, I was still gonna tap that. You'll appreciate me, do you? I think you're so totally awesome. Chill, T. I'm like translating as fast as I can. It does look a bit. I mean, like, I I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm probably thinking twenty twenty somethings, but not teen. Well, maybe teenagers played by twenty somethings. Snogging and calling each other bro and like dealing with very emotional stakes. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm so sick of being treated like some sort of object to be worshipped. I'm a real person with real feelings. No. I don't think Mitchell likes me anymore. I'm pregnant. Yeah, it's, <laughs> wow. it makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, this is where uh, uh, Vala sort of pins Marty down and pitches a very good version, I think, of The Wizard of Oz with uh, yes. Landry as Oz the Great and Powerful and uh, Samantha Carter as the good... Which slash Tokra? That's when I noticed that. That's when she actually starts wearing the pigtails. Like she's got the double braid first. Oh yeah, and then, and then suddenly uh, it goes into pigtails for Gale. yes, <laughs> exactly. Oh, and and, and uh, Charles, uh, sorry, uh, Teal, yeah, as uh, the tin the man, tin man. Like, with his weird little nose thing. <laughs> it's like, he just looks so unimpressed. He's like. Oh, we're not in Kansas anymore. Especially the makeup department must have been having a ball. Hell yeah. I didn't look up who's on the makeup department. I'm such a fan of Dave Elsie. Mm. Like, it almost feels adulterous to, oh, like, really to, look to into... Look into other makeup artists. Yeah, yeah. because, I mean, he's my bishi. So, yes. Uh, meanwhile, the gate is repaired, but things blow up. People are sent to go running. A Cheyenne mountain explodes. And, oh, yeah, that's how Act 2 is going to end. <laughs> yes. The- it's like I thought it was very well done because they played comple- <laughs> they comple- they played completely straight like because they they have been having gate problems and like yep. they suddenly go like yeah gates repaired yeah how they keep playing between the actors who are playing the characters and the real characters uh, yes it's like they they really mess with you during the entire episode oh uh, these. Uh- the only little sort of break there is when the uh, uh, the electrician gets uh, knocked around and... Why does this always happen to me? Yeah, because you're the stunt coordinator, dude. And you do this every, <laughs> every episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> you have a special machine just for launching your muscular buttocks across this specific room. Uh. 
Yeah, also something that apparently, like, they'd wanted, the writers had wanted to blow up Cheyenne Mountain in some kind of, you know, alternate right. timeline or parallel thing. And the U.S. Air Force vets all of these episodes. Okay. And actually yeah. has veto on some things that are, like, procedurally too accurate or too inaccurate. Right. Um, and they sort of vetoed the idea of Cheyenne Mountain being destroyed because it's impenetrable. And right, things. yeah. And by season 10, they were sort of over that. You know, I it's sci-fi. It, I wonder if it actually says Cheyenne Mountain Complex over the door, if they just made that up. You know, I was looking for a joke, but I'm still, you know, I was a UX designer in the past, mm. and it was just realizing, huh, they probably have a style guide for exactly, like, what kind of labeling needs to go where. And right. there are just rules that if you cross this kind of barrier, you have to have visibility of this kind of sign saying right. that information. So I'd also like to compare this to, like, you know, something like War Games and see if this is, like, actual Cheyenne Mountain footage or if they just have, have a standard set that they use for Cheyenne Mountain, like, where they just have some road tunnel, which they know, like, oh, this kind of looks about right, and they just, like, dress it up. I think the latter. Probably. I think the latter. I think, like, you're not, as a citizen, I think you're not allowed to take photos of military installations, and I think maybe Cheyenne Mountain True. is one of them. True, but then every, again, every yeah. photo taken by a uh, U.S. military person working observer is automatically in the public domain unless it's classified as secret or top secret. Oh, yeah. So. But then what's the commercial usage license of, uh, I don't know. Interesting, I don't know. But Marty yes. would know. Go for Marty. Although, Probably. you know, he seems extremely competent, but he doesn't get it quite right. Like, he talks about, okay, throwing out, throw out ideas, and he calls it... We call it spinning. Instead of spitballing. Right. And when something seems too convenient, like you have a character mention it, and you, you hang a lantern on it. It's not lampshading. Not yes, lamp- yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> he talks about, like, oh, it's not just the writers, it's the whole crew. You know, it's the gaffers, it's the lighting guys... Which are the gaffers? Yeah. <laughs> Those are the same job. And then the next scene. Okay, wh- where were we? Scene 24. Oh, great. One of my favorite scenes is fucking Star Trek. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm picking up a strange energy anomaly, Colonel. It appears the singularity is about to explode. Weapons are at maximum. Damn it, Cap! Solar flare. We've got a shockwave in it straight for us. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. Engine room. Warp speed. Take us out of here. Now. I'm giving it all I've got, Captain, but you're expecting a bloody miracle. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's a very remarkable uh, change of uh, of scenery, of uh, decor, really. With, uh, yeah, Teal'c wearing his, like, Star Trek uniform, which, like, actually quite looks a lot like Star Trek Discovery style, you know? The- well, I don't think any of them expose quite so much cleavage, no, cleavage no. as he does. That was his idea, by Man the way. Cleavage. He wanted to go full oh, yeah. Ricardo Montalban. It's, it's down to his belly button, almost. Mm-hmm. It's a very deep V. I mean, like, if you have man. a physique like that, I can imagine that you want to show it off, especially mm-hmm. if you get hired for having a physique like that and showing it off. Christopher Judge. Oh. Oh, beautiful man. Uh, uh, and, and a quick cameo from, let me see, I think it's Brad Wright, one of the executive producers and creators, who plays Scotty there briefly. Oh, yeah, I was wondering about that. because acting recall, debut. Didn't see, uh, didn't recall that actor uh, being in there. So, yes, there's a little bit of discussion, like, oh, this is just Star Trek. Like, oh, well, yes, no, but yes, and no, it's Star Trek. Yeah, and, like, these things make no sense. Weapons at maximum? Yeah. What does oh, that, that mean? that just sounds cool. The audience loves weapons at maximum, and it's, like, more, like, it tests well with the, 
focus groups. The demographics. Yeah. And then Cam comes in and says, well, actually... Never underestimate your audience. They're generally sensitive, intelligent people who respond positively to quality entertainment. Intelligence. Yes. And, like, literally speaking to the fans of the show... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is actually really heartfelt and nice and not responded to by anyone. I do not understand why everything in this script must inevitably explode. Um, and then Vala corners Marty again to pitch the reason that I wanted to show you and your boyfriend this, by the yeah. way. This is part of your boyfriend's bizarre canon of those few episodes of Farscape things that he has seen. Yes. The Farscape crossover. Yeah, Marty basically gets pitched another idea by uh, Vala and he goes like oh no that's way too obvious like oh this is the scene where he where she tries um, <laughs> Gilligan's Island Gilligan's Island yes you got thank that you from that piece of advice if you're going to rip something off think of something a little more obscure and then we get you call me Farbot but they're going to have our mivons on a platter if we don't Starburst that dries out of here the has been damaged we're not going anywhere oh Dren Hasmata! Ah. Pharrell. Oh, son of Hasmata! Yes. This Farscape. amazing it, it, sequence! It is, it is brilliant. We've got Teal'c as, as Dargo. Go. We've got Carter as, as Chiana. Uh, oh, is that Carter? Okay, yeah. Like, yeah. Comes staggering in. Very well done, actually. Got Actually shows about like the right amount of cleavage that we got from... Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> We uh, Teal gets Dargo. Yeah, we got that as well. We've got Vala as uh, as Aaron, of course, and then we've got Daniel Jackson as John Crichton. Confusingly, yes. Who is uh, who? Who does uh, what's his name again? Ben Browder is Stark, or uh, Cam- Stark. Right. Yes, that's the one I was wondering about. Like, who did Stark? I, I didn't catch that in, in in the short shot. But yeah, okay. Because originally, Browder. like, it was written for for him to be uh, John Crichton right. again, and then he and Michael Shanks is the actor who plays. Daniel Jackson's uh, sort of asked to be swapped. Yeah. In part because like they didn't want to play it too straight because mm. that would sort of feel, I guess, In- weird. That's ingenious, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of glad of that. Yeah. And also, Ben Browder is a... He has a huge man crush on Paul Goddard, who plays Stark. Oh, okay. He, he just absolutely loves him as an actor. He, like, campaigned to have more of Stark on the show. Which we're still waiting for his return, aren't we? Ah, well, you know, you know how people just die in shows and then they stay <laughs> and dead. And you never see them again, put, yeah. get, get put on the bus. Oh, I have to go do things. And then he goes singing in the uh, opera at... Uh... Also, we just saw him a few episodes ago in John Quixote. Sure, but that was, like, not real Stark. No, but okay, but at least it was Paul Goddard. And it was Fair. also Anthony Simcoe. True, true, true. No, I mean, Rigel looks a bit more like a grey... Except a bit more of a green grey. Uh, yes, with that's as Guardian. It's a Stargate thing. It's okay, a, right. It's a, fair it's enough. This is very good. Yeah, it's a proper alien. He's got weird moustaches. And he's got. The, I mean, in, in that Christ, yeah, he was pretty good. And he got the purple robes and everything. Yeah, and uh, I love Martin, uh, Martin's response. Going like, okay, I have no idea where that's from. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Rue, Telegram when I was promoting this episode, he said, uh, "I love that the only way they could make a joke about Farscape that their audience would understand is to joke about the fact that they won't understand it," which is really accurate. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I love Stark's extremely Australian accent that Ben Browder gets to do. <laughs> oh, son of a hazmat! And I think, with the exception of Son of a Hazmat, 
all of these words that they say are Firescape words. Uh, yeah, Yachts is what uh, the only thing that Rigel gets to say. Uh, His mana, Freldren. Yeah, throwing basically all the, uh, the, the curse words around that you normally hear around Firescape. And the uh, proximity alerts, like every time that they get jostled, Aaron and John sort of grab each other. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we've had that. We have the important part of the episode. Now we can sort of phone the rest in. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Wait what? That. No. Oh, that was a joke. Well, it is actually a joke that gets thrown around in this episode as well. You know, a lot of people say he just kind of phoned it in uh, that last season. I think it is in reference to uh, Richard Dean Anderson disappearing, because like, there's a comment about, like, yeah, just phoning it in, the, uh, the appearance. So apparently there are layers and layers to these references. That was not a critique of Richard Dean Anderson in the, in the last season. It was a combination uh-huh. of his departure and Michael Shanks being sort of largely absent in season six and, like, literally appearing on the phone. Uh, okay, right. When he... Hang on, who's Martin Shanks? Oh, Michael Shanks Shank is Michael uh, Shanks. Daniel Jackson. Oh, right, yeah. The, the linguist, yes. Yeah, the sort of studly linguist. Who is, like, very uh, serious about the pyramids and, like, the ring that they found around the pyramids. And this obviously means that there must be alien involvement. And this is, like, we're talking about the puppet, puppet scene, which is about <laughs> yes, to come up. Yes, which we learned from the puppet scene because they'd just seen Team America World Police. Police, yeah, and... And they want like they got the puppets from I think the same I think they're Chodo brothers they're the the, right. the the puppet makers, and these cost a fortune per puppet and they just spent the money on it. Um, even apparently like the puppeteers rehearsed for two days to get Richard Dean Anderson's specific like pointing to the sky gesture. Right. That apparently oh, wow. is done a few times. So what's it? Uh, hang on, what's that called again? Like the the the, the puppet vision that they used for uh... Uh, Super Mario Nation. Super Mario, that's the one. Yes. Yeah, Jerry Anderson's, uh, 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 as used on Thunderbird and Captain Scarlet, and oh wow, this has been a candidate. This was another candidate for for this very greatest hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called uh, Space Precinct. A live action puppet based sci fi okay. pilot. Uh, with uh, by, by Jerry Anderson and the Super Mario okay. Nation. Wow. So yeah, the idea this shows up because apparently the budget has been cut and we have problems. We're, we're still dealing with the return of uh, 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 Richard Dean Anderson's character, Admiral O'Neill. Yeah, uh, in this case, like represented by Nick Marlowe, the actor who plays oh, so many layers. Do you know I once wrote a story with a character called Nicky Marlowe? Sorry, what? I once wrote a story with a character called oh. Nicky Marlowe, and here's an actor called Nick Marlowe. Oh, where? Well, there you go, then. Small world Probably completely the- unrelated. <laughs> I love that Daniel Jackson. I mean, they're basically doing a puppet version of the original uh, Roland Emmerich uh, uh, Stargate. Yes. Where he comes in and he writes on a, on a whiteboard. And, and he just, just scribbles all over scri- the place. It's a puppet hand scribbling. And he does the famous thing where he pulls up one of the chevrons on a screen and then... Tries to draw over it. <laughs> it's just fucking gibberish. It's amazing. I mean, why would you even draw over it? Like, it's right there on the screen. Why would you just, like, then redraw the same chevron okay, on the screen? It was cool. Okay, fair it enough. Was, it was cool. Because, no, he, he draws some extra lines around the chevron that they oh, see on the screen. Oh, okay, that helps then, like, oh. yeah. And there's a few more puppet-related gags there. Uh, I mean, I, I really loved the, uh, the scene where, uh, what's her name, uh, Samantha Carter's character... Sorry, yeah, that cheat sheet. Sorry, yeah, it's yeah. really useful. Like goes off on a like oh science thing and this and that and tapping away at the computer, 
quick little fading in and out of yes. what was hours and hours of well at first glance I suspect the device creates a stable wormhole between superconducting rings that have been placed in fixed positions elsewhere converts matter into energy at the event horizon once the initial vortex has subsided of course and just because my sex organs are on the inside instead of the outside doesn't mean that I can't handle provided of course that sufficient energy has been channeled to the device and that the correct coordinates have been calculated and just because my reproductive organs on the inside yes very the feminist like, takes and all of a sudden <laughs> I mean not even like super fed just why is this necessary to bring up because yeah it's a bit of a sausage fest is uh, science fiction suppose, in general yeah. and Stargate in particular but yes they managed to get the gate fired up and I was waiting for this uh, to happen really yes I was sitting there like okay how are puppets going to move through a gate so and the fact that they actually <laughs> get the their strings closes. cut and, <laughs> and they flop down dead and you can see you see their string still dangling on the other side. <laughs> so this is where the the really good CGI comes in. In a lot of these shots, the strings didn't show up no. and had to be CGI'd in. Oh wow! So the opposite of wire removal. Yes. Okay. Fair. <laughs> I mean, they should should just use thicker wires if they don't show up on camera. But yeah, fair enough. I noticed a lot of the wires were quite floppy, but I figured like that's just my lack of knowledge about uh, puppeteering. But you'd imagine that most of the wires are going to be taut most of the time. I have no idea how yeah. it works. I mean, the lip sync was done very well. Yeah. <sighs> Imagine if this is an unrealized reality. Like, they, they, they talk about, oh, you know, parallel universe, multiverse, quantum. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, Everything. so everybody now looks like puppets. Uh, yeah, Marty decides, like, oh, no, this will never work. Uh, they, shoots it down. Like, he's, like he's a negative Nancy for someone who at the beginning says, like, oh, every, all ideas are open. and He only wants ideas that, like, people didn't actually give that he that he made into ideas and everything else he rejects yes he's uh, yeah very much a against what he claims to do <laughs> including tilk pi when it comes to fighting crime there's only one man keeping the streets safe while keeping it real indeed tilk pi coming this fall i love it I'm just not sure if the network, but I'll pitch it to them next week, and 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 we'll we'll see what they think. <laughs> not gonna happen. No, exactly. Voiced over by uh, Isaac Hayes, by the way. Oh, yeah, of Shaft fame, mm. and apparently Scientology. I don't know exactly. Ooh, dear. Sweet out. And then they go, no, there needs to be a twist. I'm talking about a twist, something nobody's expecting. You mean something like this? Such as the sudden appearance of Richard Dean Anderson. Yes. Which, if you'd been a fan of Stargate SG-1, would have been a huge twist. Right, because he was out of the series. And then they immediately hang a lantern on it by talking about, oh, no, you're never going to keep that a secret. There'll be spoilers. now. they'll put it in the commercial. Yes. I mean, that's like... I mean, That's that what sci-fi did, man. Oh, yeah. They did it to Farscape. They did it to... Uh, uh, there was an episode called Solitude where they're, they're stuck on a, uh, uh, in a glacier on an alien planet and then the, like, the fourth act reveal is, oh, no, they're in Alaska or Antarctica and this is like stuck in a glacier on Alaska or yes. Antarctica or oh. something. Uh, and yes, his appearance was absolutely used in the commercials mm, because they want people to come see. And but but this is like this is a thing that we see a lot, especially in, um, in Hollywood production these days. That the trailer pretty much gives the entire movie away. Yeah, uh, I think my my favorite example of that is the Negotiator, which this essentially the whole film is in there. Yeah, uh, uh, I don't think I've seen it, but Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson, I think. Okay. 
And yeah, there's basically nothing left to be. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, we can talk about it, but I guess these people are the ones who are making the millions, so they must know what they're doing. And if it's not like, yeah, you know, if it's feeding our disappointment is what makes the movie money, make money, then apparently this is what Hollywood does. Yeah. Like we're not about satisfying people; we're about making money. We're well, not about pr- we're not about providing interesting experiences. We're not about providing people with wow moments. We're just about making money. Okay, okay, okay. You well, can't say that out loud because fucking James Cameron's going to sort of drop kick his way through your French doors <laughs> and convince you otherwise because I I have seen Avatar: The Way of Water and oh my god, that is quite an experience. And also, that's is there that's, anything memorable about it? I mean. Other than the fact that it looks fantastic. I mean, that's like what I hear about the, the original Avatar. Everybody's like, oh, it's a fantastic movie. Name me one quote. One quote from the original movie. What? Why does that... Hold on. I why mean, does that matter? <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point. It's like, there's nothing memorable in it. It looks fantastic, but that's it. Okay, and, but it is a fantastic experience, which is a whole and, thing. Like, he, he... And why would James Cameron like bother with the likes of me slagging about the fact that Hollywood is like just not about making money. He spent thirteen years making this film. Like he, makes, a, he spends a, on average thirteen years of making any film. I know, but like reinventing new technologies and like right. uh, Good for training him. his actors. I still hate him for it. There's apparently no limit to what he'll do I to still provide people. Hate James which Cameron for Avatar. Kicking the door in and convincing you personally, and I will, I will protect you, and I will die protecting well, you. you. I will definitely die because he's a diabolical Canadian. I'll, I'll tell you why I hate him for making Avatar. It's because it turned 3D cinema into a thing, and I absolutely detest 3D cinema because most of 3D cinema is just gimmicks. There's, I've sit there, watch movies on yep. my TV, and like, this scene makes no sense. Why would they put in a shot like that? And then you realize, oh wait, because it looked cool in 3D. May I posit yeah. uh, an alternate hypothesis? Yeah. The 3D wave was already happening. Oh, okay. Let's get back okay, to let's where... Okay, let's do a quick round Let's have of a Twitter poll among our listeners. Of rock, paper, scissors for whether we cut this entire bit out. Oh, yeah. Okay, three, two, one. Oh. Okay, well, that's... <laughs> Okay, it's a so draw. It's, it's three, two, one, go, or yeah, three, two, one, go. Okay, three, three two, two, one, one. go. Fuck. <laughs> oh my god, we like the two Johns. <laughs> yes, we are. To like... Okay, it stays in. It stays in. <laughs> it stays in. Uh, so we, th- we 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 threw up rock paper scissors, scissors. and we, we tied twice. Double scissors, double rocks. Wow. It's not just Woody's that we're smashing against each other. Oh, Apparently, dear. we're just two halves of one brain. <laughs> what an amazing. Oh, look at that. 45 minutes we just spent talking about Avatar. Well, this mean, that means we've just... Well, that wasn't just about Avatar. Anyway, back to okay. the series. Um, so how are we going to end it? And Richard Dean Anderson's, well, you could end with a, with a fishing scene. This is a reference I, to the ending of season eight. I assumed there was something like that, yeah. Yep, I'm just explaining it for you and yeah. the people at home where all the characters were fishing and that could have served as the, as the end of the series. Right. And then it pans to the side and shows Ben Browder and Claudia Black's characters yeah. as if they were there, which you, they clearly uh, yeah. weren't. You weren't even there. It's like, what are you doing there? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, how about a wedding scene then? Why don't we do a, end it with a wedding? Everybody loves a wedding, say the girls. Yeah, there's like some weird things going on there. Like there's, uh, what's his name again? Oh, he's not on my cheat sheet. The, oh, Glasses. The, the, the glasses guy, yeah. Who's very Who's emotional. Like, yes, we all really love weddings. Uh, it's just a summer culture. I mean, they must have really worked uh, Anderson quite hard if, they, if he was only available for one day. Because he, O'Neill and Jackson are standing there. He's wearing the green Sendai under his suit. Is he? 
Or you no. just, did you just make that up? Yeah. No. And they're standing there like, well, if, if she doesn't show up anytime soon, they might think that you and I are... What? We're getting married, you know? Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, uh, an oblique reference that would easily be missed by many people because this was for a much more conservative audience generally than right. sexually liberated Farscape, which even yeah. there. But no, the girls beam in. Uh, hang on, which one is this? I guess it's Carter and, yes. Uh, yes. and, and Vala uh, beam in. Vala as the bridesmaids maid. And another alien pastor. Is that again one of the, uh, whatchamacallits? Yeah, uh, I think it's Asgardian. Asgardian. I don't know. Kvasir? Why do I, I know, know his name? It looks, like, it looks like a grey, basically. Yeah. Fit, fit for a grey. Mm, yeah, usually they're a bit pudgier, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, wedding scene also gets shut down, of course, but fortunately the Stargate has been repaired. Yep. It is working again, and we are all going on this. There is, there's a few like weird little hints, like, is everything all right? Like, the party, including the party poppers okay, and the streamers. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to have to talk you through this, because I hadn't remembered this at all, and I kind of love it. Yeah. Um, so O'Neill talks General Landry, General? General. 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 Yeah. Into, hey, why don't you come along as well? I never come along. Because he'd, he'd finally sort of realized, like, lately I've been feeling a little... What? How do I say it? It's okay to say that you missed us, sir. No, not that. Like you have unfinished business? Okay. You need closure, and I have the perfect thing. We're about to go on a mission to commemorate my 200th trip through the gate. Really? 200, you say? That's 200 times he's stepped through the gates, sir, not actual missions. To be honest, I wouldn't mind one last jaunt through the old orifice. Right. Yeah, then we get that scene where he's like basically he's, he's running, the, the he's, he's running, running away from the controls, and like by the time he sort of Dick Grayson's into his costume, and then General Landry and uh, glasses, dude, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, sort of have a be okay. So is everything ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, just three three eighteen. Waiting, sir. The cake. It's all set. Balloons, streamers. SG3 through 18 are already waiting for us on the other side. They've got the barbecue set up, the yeah. party poppers, because they're all going to celebrate the 200th. 200th thing. And apparently, yeah. like, all these Stargate malfunctions were probably manufactured to give them In more time to, to set, set up, up the oh, Okay, party. that makes sense, yeah. We get another gorgeous shot of the uh, Stargate being activated. The Kawoosh? Is that what it's called? I think so. The Kawoosh Bloosh? Uh, I mean, it looks a bit like Poseidon's kiss, uh, always, but you know, I'm not kiss? going to like Google it. It's uh, <laughs> okay. Wow. Should we bleep that out, maybe? No, not to really. ensure that nobody Google's it. No, not really. It's not that bad. Okay. You okay. Me, okay. I'll tell you now, so you can decide whether or not. And then we'll have a quick <laughs> round of rock paper scissors. <laughs> so Poseidon's kiss is when you're sitting on the toilet. Oh God. Uh, and no, enough. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about now? I don't. Okay. And I want to keep it that way. Fair enough. And we go through the portal. Actually, just before we go through the portal, uh, Marty gets another call and goes, oh, no, the movie's cancelled. And everybody's But oh, the show's back on. Yeah, because the show's been renewed. And then 10 years later... And let's get everybody down as a wrap on the 200th episode. Yay! Nice job, everybody. It cuts to a scene of the actors having just finished a shot. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wormhole Hex- Extreme has apparently gone on for another 10 years. It, it is weird, because, like, okay, so you have the scene of the the gate, but also, and on the other side, is like a bunch of Christmas trees making it to look like a forest. Yeah. But I, I wonder when they would ever need a setup like that, because... I mean, you always have the gate is always like the, 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 the rippling water effect. So you would never actually need a shot of the camera pulling back through the gate or th- uh, back forward through the gate to... The sort of horizon, I think it's called, yeah. uh, dissipates after they go through, after they turn it off. So you can often see through when they're on a, on a planet or a location. Can you? Mm-hmm. Oh, through the ring. But like, no, I get what you mean. You can see through the ring when the ring's not there. But in this case, you have the... The, the Stargate control center on one side and the planet on the other side, and you would never see that. You would, oh, yeah, that makes no you sense. You would never see the planet through the ring from the, from yeah. the control center. So that's like why I'm, so. Right, yeah. That would Sorry. have been cool. No, you're, you're completely right yeah. there. And then we finish with some interviews yeah, with little, these the supposed actors. Little, little confessionals. Where we've got this weird, I mean, who's this guy who's like supposed to be Ben Browder, I suppose? I think he's supposed to be Ben Browder. Yeah. He's talking about like coming up with a catchphrase. He and- keeps going, hampering on about a catchphrase. And- it's what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> and then there's some guy who's supposed to be, I think, O'Neill and, uh, and a woman who's kind of like, well, not... Carter, but at the Carter's actress Amanda Tapping, like oh, writers are really great guys, all of them. <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a boys' club. Right? Isn't that isn't that supposed to be Vatler? I mean, it's like she's she's got the whole bubbly nature about it, but I think it's. And I mean, she's in uniform. Right. Uh, true. And who's who who who's the beardy, mustachy guy? I think the, that's supposed to be O'Neill, despite oh. the fact that he looks younger than. Okay, fair enough. Ben Browder. And it ends weirdly with the with incredible sincerity, where this tin man made up version of pretend Tilk yeah. has this this lovely quote from Isaac Asimov about the value of science fiction. Mm. So it, really adored. Well, I mean, yes. It's like often not understood by the people at the time. Yeah. Always uh, turning out to be prophetic uh, later on in the future, I believe. You see that a lot with, I mean, yes, with good sci-fi, that's exactly what it is. You, so yeah this was quite a ride and like i'm still kind of surprised that it was an actual stargate episode yep regular schedule just stupendously expensive and a lot of it was puppets apparently like they wanted another scene to really break the fourth wall like in blazing saddles but they couldn't afford horses okay horses are expensive apparently compared to puppets i think renting them would be cheaper but why would you why would you buy horses as a television show i don't know I mean, I guess the network might have a few on hand for use for, but it's probably a bit cheaper to keep like good They're contacts. They're day players, like yeah, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> can be and real. Uh, like, I mean, never work. What was it again? Never work with children or animals or puppets. I think there was something that was like, children and animals. Yeah, which which goes for like theater, film, and you know, I think most farm equipment. Oh no, hold on, that joke doesn't make sense because farms do have animals on them. Never mind. Right. Yes, so there was another. There was a third one. Never work with children, think, animals, or firearms. I don't, know. I don't know. Yikes! If I mean, if someone had told that to Stargate, it just wouldn't exist anymore. I mean, there's Fair. the the gag that you know in Star Trek: The Next Generation, like, oh no, this is a primitive culture. We can't contaminate them. We have to. We can't, you know, give them our technology. And then in Stargate SG One, is all your gods are false. Here, take these guns. Yes, which is sort of gets a lantern hung on. 
when they talk to uh, Cam, the new guy, about mission 30185 that they can't tell him about. No, it's yes. classified. I've got the highest classification that you can possibly have. How can you not tell me about it? And then Vala goes, Can you tell me? Oh, yeah, we can tell you. <gasps> what has to do with the time that the gate sent us back to 1969? Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, you're Tell fine. You. Yeah. Because they they have the highest class, you know, security rating on the on the planet, and routinely go to other planets and just casually disgorge the nation's most best yeah. kept secrets, like their super space program that is secret from everyone on their planet. No, they'll just casually mention this to some diplomats that they just met. Yeah, uh, it turns out that like I think the implication is that um, it's some timey wimey thing. That, that, that but that Cameron, that Cam Mitchell is uh, O'Neill's son. Yeah, because they'd gone yeah. back to like the 1960s, and it was a different time, and he just basically knocked somebody yeah. up. And it, like, it turns out to be exactly nine months before he was born. So I wonder if that's an actual episode. If they actually sort of did a timey wimey thing where they had to go back to the 70s and, and and dress up like a bunch of hippies and sluts. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I told you like how much Stargate I've watched. I can't say that it's been all that much. Would you so, want to see it? I mean, if it's there, I'd love to see it. Right. I mean, all these, all these hot people dressed as seventies nerds and slums. Yeah. So yes, that was a great episode. I mean, it's like <laughs> here comes the challenge. She gives me a Woody. She gives you the Willies. All right. So my Willie is quite easy. <laughs> <coughs> Don't yeah. choke on it. Despite- <laughs> <laughs> Despite what people say about you, yes, go on. It's the uh, the the young edger versions of the original. Oh, that God, was yeah. so cringe. <laughs> oh, they, they played that so Don't well. Don't say though. cringe. That's a teen thing that they well, say. Or the, the, yeah, I mean, this we're talking about the young edger oh, version, so cringe is totally. Uh, but that was that that was hilarious. But it also like really made me like, oh my God, this is like too on point. <laughs> yeah, and the rapid editing and the and the and the flashy camera. Oh moves. yeah, so. The actors were having fun, though. Oh, oh, totally. Who were again? Like, were just like actors just shot for that one little bit part, or was it the same actors were actually made? No, up? I think no, it's they actually got different actors for that, right? Mm. I don't really have a willy, oh. which is, I guess, is a weird thing to say. But yes, I mean, I've heard rumors about the contrary. But <laughs> God. Okay, Woody's then. Let's see. I've got a couple of candidates. Oh, uh, one of the candidates is like the puppet trying to draw on the whiteboard, and it's it's just gibberish. I mean, okay, so the the the, the Farscape uh, back take that's like of obviously a very obvious one. The other it's one almost mandatory. The other one is like the Act Three that just suddenly ends. That was which mine. Is, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I think the one who goes to the to, to, to the puppets like going through the portal and their strings cutting and that's like just falling over. I that think is so that, so confronting. That like, is such a brilliant gag. That's uh, that that gets definitely gets my witty. Mine too. Yeah. Because now there's this whole unrealized reality out there somewhere where the where the gate system just can't be used no. by beings that have strings. Yes. Oh wow. And yeah. Okay. Right, so who built it? Some stringless mystical creature who like yeah. ascended to a plane of, of existence of where they're unstringiness. Un- exactly. Yeah. Talk about maybe, string maybe, theory. Maybe, what about like hand puppets? But oh, they couldn't go through the gate either. Because then you'd have wow. the same problem. Wow. <laughs> hmm. Except it would be way more gory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. <laughs> um, Well I see. Oh shit. We had synopses. I, I wasn't aware of that. 
Guys, I'm so you sorry. Told, you told people about this episode. and like, Yesterday, I went on Twitter and I did a sort of blast, uh, like, does anybody have so a you, you were, were you counting on the fact that I wasn't going to be on Twitter yesterday? Well, you don't pay attention to the So Farscape Twitter, do you? You still... It, 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 I'm following it, I think. Oh. Yeah. Oh, oops. But I was in the car all day yesterday, so it's like it was very easy for me to miss, yeah. Okay, well, let's let's see real quick what some of these synopses were. All right. <clears throat> so, let's see. Uh, everybody's favorite tinfoil hat is back after who knows how long, and he's in a creative pickle. With the Stargate on the fridge, the crew tries their hand at studio pitches, and... Maybe it's for the best. They're saving the world on planets like years away from any kind of show business. Thank you, Horsebird. Oh, and thrust into a new unrealized reality. See, it's not just me. The astronaut must escape from the movie executive through a big round thing, but it just refuses to be cool and doesn't spin. So he ventures through other realities controlled by the executive and the astronaut's astronauts new team in order to get home. Thank you, Tonks. Oh. <laughs> so I think we press this button. And that's the story. So, so Stargate. Stargate. I guess we're going to go with that. <laughs> uh, please join us next week for another episode for another uh, fanfic reading, and the week after that for episode four twelve, which yeah. I have no idea what it's called. Kansas. Oh, part two. Yes. And the synopsis is: This is ground control to Major John, and I'm going to have, have to do a little backtracking because like i've just been away for two weeks and i'm like woefully behind on that <laughs> yeah well i have an idea for that because i've just edited 410 so how about you edit 411 and then you can sort of remember what happened that sounds like a very good idea thank you all right thank you for joining us and this is where you do your pitch Thank you for listening to So Stargate. You can find us at So Stargate on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Good luck with that. I wonder if that's actually a thing. SoStargate.com. <laughs> and now I wonder if I should continue this joke or whether I'm accidentally giving Patreon subscribers to some other podcast that we don't know about. Mm. Uh, SoFarscape.com, SoFarscape uh, uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, thank you once again to all of our, our listeners, our uh, uh, beloved submitters of synopses who, who jumped in at the last minute. So sorry I forgot about that until the very end. To our friend Lee for her uh, fantastic music and to to you, the listeners, for sticking with us because I don't know which number episode this is. I wonder if we've crossed like a hundred episodes by now. No, it shouldn't be. It should end at exactly a hundred episodes if I recall your yeah, we... calculations. Is that with the double... No, it's, it's the number of times that you go through the wormhole, not the number of episodes right. with wormholes in them anyway. <laughs> I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so far, it's so, so good. good. So start getting so good, damn it.